I think you are totally off base on that. I completely disagree. You make a good point. You know what? I agree. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dice, Drinks, and Discourse. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm Jesse. And we'd like to welcome you to our 10th episode of the oh podcast. Oh my god, oh, I can't I, believe it. It's spectacular. <laughs> do you know where I was on my 10th birthday? Um, no, no, I do not. I was in my house, funny enough. Uh, do you know what I got? <laughs> wow. My, do you know what my first birthday <laughs> present was on my 10th birthday? No, I have no idea. It was a copy of the Game Boy Advanced game uh, of Madagascar, the hit animated oh movie. Oh my god. I must have I played that. I didn't even know they made a game of that. Oh, they made a game of everything. And I uh, spent pretty much the entire day playing that. I must have played it about 15 times before, but not that day, but you know, before I finished it. It was Were you a insane. big Madagascar fan? Like, I liked the you... movie. I don't I don't think I was that obsessed with it. It was just I had that few <laughs> games on my Game Boy, so I was just like okay, was Pokemon okay. Ruby and Madagascar. Um, yeah, no, and... I I I don't even rem- I don't even remember what I was doing on my 10th birthday, but I do that just brought back a flashback to me of um so on my like around that time I had, um, whoa, oh, it's a Nickelodeon cartoon. It was like the surfer skater cartoon. Do you remember uh, what it was uh, called? Rocket Power? Rocket Power. Rocket yes. Power. So they made a, a Game Boy uh, game for Rocket Power. Oh, of course they And did. I remember playing that to the moon. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, it was, I, they also <laughs> did one for Lilo and Stitch, which is actually really fun. And I played that mm-hmm. one. I still have some of that, uh, those levels burned into my memory. Isn't, but isn't you know what all all those things have in common, Billy? What do they have in common, Jesse? They're all a little bit tropical, like tropical regions. All right, I'll give you that one. That one's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, I mean, Madagascar, Lilo and Stitch yeah. is in Hawaii, and uh, rug, uh, rug. No, rug, I was going to say Rugrats. <laughs> Rocket Powers on the, on the West Coast. All right, all right, yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Which, They're all a little bit tropical. Which leads into our drink for today, because... Yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> Billy... What are we drinking today? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, we are drinking <laughs> something that of my creation. Well, rather, something that I stole, co-opted, and added to to sort of, of create something uh, close to my original thought. Uh, this is basically a variation on rum punch that I had for the first time in New York when I was uh, going out with friends during Comic-Con of 2018. Ah, uh, I was thinking like so. No offense to you, I will hear when no I, such offense. Uh, but when I heard saw the recipe, we're doing this thing where we don't tell each other the name of the recipe. And so mm. when I saw the recipe, I was like, "This is some frat shit." <laughs> yeah, well, especially the way I told you about it because I didn't do measurements. I just did uh, put in a splash of this, put in a splash of this, just pour in as much of this as you want. And well, because that I mean, originally. It was just me trying to recreate what I had in New York, and it was, you mm-hmm. know, it was a good, you know, fruity rum cocktail. I liked it a lot. But then when I came back and I did it for my own purposes, I just sort of eyeballed everything and got drunk very quickly. So that's kind of what this is for. This is sort okay. of a muted version based on the measurements, but whatever, whatever. I mean, um, so yeah, I, I I'll like, explain what it I took you what you wrote and then kind of crafted something out of that. So yeah, and it's it's all about. Uh, uh, mixing it up and experimenting. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the thought of this one. So it's it's based, uh, the base is coconut rum. I, my preferred is Malibu because it's the first I, I've ever had. And, that's you know, what I used as well. 
uh, pretty widely available, pretty inexpensive. Um, then a little bit of pineapple juice and orange juice, and I think that's all the juices. Yeah, and then to top it off, this is the this is the addition that I made to the original recipe, which was to fill it up, fill up the glass with mango white claw, uh, or any other appropriately tropical uh, flavored uh, spiked spike seltzer. And well, yeah, it it gets this this nice little orangey yellow uh, color. It tastes super i mean we'll get to, we'll get to the taste in a second but the original name for this i called it the za wadodo also oh, known oh as okay <laughs> the world from jojo's bizarre adventure because i created oh this God. as a, for our for the jojo's drinking game <laughs> that i hosted a couple of times and this is the drink i wanted to have and i got pretty fucked up on it because wow. I just I was just pouring in half of the cup of coconut rum before I decided alright it's time to fill up but I decided to switch up the name for this iteration um, okay so what, 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 what word am D&D, I dealing with now the D&D version of this drink is called the Swavane Sunrise Swavane being a reference to the Swavane Islands on the Menagerie Coast in Wildmount from the hit book Explorer's oh. Guide to Wildmount, one of my favorite <laughs> books. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah, um, right, but it's it's sitting right behind me. But yeah, it's it's a nice tropical setting. It's uh, mm-hmm. got the the motif of. I mean, it's no, it's super generic to call something a sunrise. But hey, it's got the it's it's got the I colors mean, down. Considering it, mine looks more like a sun, it could be a sunrise, sun, sunrise, sunset. I was gonna uh, say there's, there's not enough pink to be sunset, but yeah, yeah, whatever works. Why don't you but, give it a shot? So let me let's give let's give this a shot. All right, cheers. So because uh-huh. of the way that I made my drink, uh-huh. that was a lot of white. Claw on okay, the first yeah, sip. yeah. But um, no, but it, it like. So I'm not a huge fan of Spike Seltzer to begin with, uh, so getting that the first thing. But I, uh, like I said, I had been experimenting with the proportions on my own, and I do really like this. It's very similar to like a really nice pina colada. Thank so you. no, I mean it's it, the whole idea is just this big blast of fruity kind of mixes of you know the the mangoes kind of muted because it's from a seltzer, but like the orange and the pineapple pair really well together. The coconut rum doesn't really you know. It, it bites a little bit, but not in any kind of, you know. Yeah, it's a nice, way. refreshing summer drink. Yeah, and, and the best part is if you put the if you put all that in either a mason jar, which is my preferred uh, holder, or a solo cup, you can get pretty drunk pretty quickly because it's basically all sugar. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, mine was, uh, I'm keeping it classy with a nice highball glass. Yeah, but, that's it. So uh, adjust your proportions according to your dietary preferences. But... If you want a if you want a way to, to get have a good time real quick and have a fruity taste on the way down, nothing uh, nothing better than this. I almost yeah. forgot the name already. Um, <laughs> it's right here. The, Come on, Billy. You, this is your drink. You got to be on it. I'm illiterate. That's that's the problem. <laughs> um, the Swavane Sunrise. Swavane Sunrise. Also it's... known. As, and if you're if you're cool, you could just call it the Zawada though. Um, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I will stick with Suvay and Sunrise. It's all right. You're plenty cool anyway. Oh, so, thank you. How about we get back into uh, what we left off two weeks ago? Yes, I have the full character sheet in front of me this time, the correct one, not the second edition, but the first edition. <laughs> uh, I, I have my, my boy Flockta here 
um, his little goblin inquisitor ass. <laughs> All right, good. I was going to say, so for those of you who are just joining us, go back and listen to the last two episodes because yeah. they don't get the full context. But yes. we are completing our character creation episode with Jesse's Pathfinder character. I'm uh, super excited. Yeah, and so I think we're we got. I have a couple of corrections from last week because I. F- oh, you do. Did you mess I, up, Billy? I did. It's always me. Um, no, but a couple of rules, just clarifications. I couldn't find anything on like specifically adding Constitution modifier to HP. And when I asked my friends who played, they said, "Yeah, I just do that. Like, I don't know why we wouldn't." I'm like, fair enough. So right. you would get your Constitution modifier. It's a plus zero in this case, so it doesn't really. Change it doesn't anything. matter. But um, <laughs> yeah, and the. Base speed of 40 feet was an incorrect thing on my part. I didn't oh, literally, really? the, the next thing it says in fast movement, goblins gain a plus 10 foot bonus on their base speed. This is already added to their base speed above. So it's just 30. So it's just 30? Yeah. That that, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I was sort of really like, looking forward to like being a speedy little goblin. Yeah. I think it's like a lot of small creatures get 20 foot and then goblins haven't elevated to 30 feet. Uh, I'm not sure about that though, but that's, I think that's everything that I wanted to clarify before we kept going, but All right. yeah. yeah. Um, so let's moving on. So we have one more inquisitor ability that I forgot that okay. you have still at first level is me, stern gaze. Stern so gaze. Inquisitors that are set, skilled at sensing deception and intimidating their foes. So you get a morale bonus on all intimidate and sense motive checks equal to half your inquisitor level. And so the minimum is one. So you get a plus one to intimidate and sense motive. So you can put that under miscellaneous uh, modifiers in your skill section. For intimidate and sense motive? Yep. So you're better at scaring people and figuring out whether or not they're lying. Well, that's great because uh, this character is all about that sense motive. Yeah. So... Uh, and so we kind of skipped over it a little bit last time, but the judgment is kind of like the Inquisitor's most unique ability, where basically okay. they can give themselves or this themselves a buff, mm-hmm. uh, and based whatever that buff is, you know, base is. I don't is, have judgment written down. Did we talk about it last week at all? Yeah, we did a little bit. You, we, we, we kind of just went through it. Uh, okay. Went past a little bit, but basically, it's gotcha. like every time you use them, you choose one type of judgment. You're not like. You're not forced into any specific judgment when you take it as a swift action, kind of like the bonus action from Five E. Uh, you can use your, you can only use the judgment once per day at first level. Uh, but as you progress, you get more uses. But as long as you have it, you can switch it uh, to okay. a different. So, for example, destruction, the mm-hmm. judgment of destruction, you get a plus one sacred bonus to all weapon damage rolls. Awesome. And that's pretty good. But if you say you wanted to switch that to something like healing which is you get fast healing one, which is a type of condition. There's a lot of conditions and stuff. I don't want, we don't have to go through all of them. Basically fast healing one is kind of like regeneration. You get one hit point right. back at the beginning of each round. That's nice. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So if you wanted to heal up for the duration of the rest of the duration of your, of your judgment, you could just switch to a judgment of healing. Okay. So I, I, at least my memory is blanking on this, but what the hell is judgment? Because of the fact <laughs> okay. that I don't have it written down anywhere. Okay, even so on my previous like little notepad yeah, uh, so you and can, you can put that in special abilities or f- I, I, I'd say put special under special abilities where it's basically okay. it's it's the judgment you're casting upon your enemy not like literally on them it's just sort of it, it 
I don't know how well to, how well to explain it. Um, it's... But so it's just an initial thing of I can either cast judgment on someone, and it's as it's in a for in D and D terms, right? Okay, it would yeah. be a ability that I'm able to say use once per turn, like once per round, or oh, okay, sorry, sorry, that was that's on me for the mechanics of it. It's a special ability. It's just like okay. a class feature um, that you yeah. get. You can use it once per day. Um, and it lasts, it says once activated, the ability lasts until combat ends. So you can use this once per day for an entire combat and every turn switch the bonus you get if you so desire. Gotcha. Um, or you just keep it going, the same bonus. And it can be destruction, healing. Protection adds what plus one sacred bonus to armor class. Um, All right. Stuff like that. Um, purity gives you a plus one bonus on saving throws, which, you know, depending on what you want. And this will come back later when we talk about feats. But actually, do you want to just go into feats? That, that, sure. that covers all the uh, all the yeah. specific abilities we get. Uh, so I don't know if you've looked into uh, the feats that you could take. Uh, no, I have person. not. Okay. Well, <laughs> that makes it a little easier because I have I found one that I really liked. Okay. Um, that I think you might be interested in. So this is this one's called Instant Judgment. Instant now, judgment. I am not entirely sure if this is available at first level. I think it is. So I'm going to double check this. But basically, yeah, it's there's no... No prerequisite. Uh, well, the prerequisite is a second judgment class feature. So maybe you uh, may not be able to take this. But for just for the sake of the fact that I brought it, uh, you, can yeah, spend an, you, can spend it. An, you can spend an immediate action to pronounce a judgment or change an active judgment. So basically, this instead of it being a swift action, you basically can use it whenever, um, mm -hmm. kind of like a reaction. So say someone hits you with a spell, or you know, while you have a protection to your AC up, and you really want an extra plus one on saves, you can use this and immediately get a, you know, that plus one to your save mm -hmm. without having to wait for the next turn. Uh, I think it's a pretty useful feat for an inquisitor. I'm going to say, like, let's just put this one down because we're not, like, this isn't, like, Pathfinder Society. We're not going to be checked on this. If, There's if no were... rule lawyers coming in and being like, that is wrong and you can't do that. And you know what they say? No publicity is bad. Or bad publicity is good publicity? Whatever they say. There's no All publicity, publicity is good publicity. There it is. And if we get people talking about our, our, oh, they don't know how the rules work. Well, that's more people knowing about us. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I'll put, I, I'd say, if you were, if I were the GM and you were my player, I'd say, just take it down if you'd like. Right. Um, and uh, once again, just because I forgot, what is the website I should be on right now? <laughs> no worries. Uh, D20PFSRD.com. D20PFSRD. Yeah. So there All are... Right so many feats like it is impossible to go over all of them at, at any point uh it, they all depend on what you want to do and what kind of fighter you want to be uh i think one that might be good to take if you're tar if based on the fact that you have a high dex and low strength you, your attacks would probably be ranged weapons mm -hmm. am i correct in assuming that yeah um oh what's it called precise shot i think it's called let me double check what the prerequisite and precise shot is. Oh, it's point blank shot. <laughs> well, here, here's an easy combat feat: point blank shot. You get a plus one bonus on attack and damage rolls when with ranged weapons at ranges up to thirty feet. But awesome. the reason I the reason I meant you could do that one either. But you, the reason I brought that one up is 
precise shot. Now this is a really good ranged option that you wouldn't be able to get at first level at this at this build, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, which gives okay. you basically you know how like if you shoot into if you shoot a ranged weapon into someone who's fighting melee, like say you have two people, one of your friends is fighting someone right in front of them, and you're trying okay. to aim up a shot. You get a you get a penalty on your attack if you're trying to hit someone who's already fighting someone in melee. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's it's like this is one of those very specific feats, but or uh, rules. But I kind of like it because it you know is an actual scenario that I've seen a lot in D and D. Precise shot completely gets rid of that penalty and makes you more capable at shooting into people fighting uh, mm-hmm. with precision. So I kind of like that. Uh, I think that's good. You know, that's a classic feat people that martial characters take. But I, you know, for now, I'd say either point blank shot or instant judgment, whichever one you think fits. Uh, I'm going to go with instant judgment just because I think that my character is more of a talky talky uh, person rather than a combat person. Sure, absolutely. So I'd put that, put that right under feats. And sure thing, already did. That's, that's feats. Um, so straight down the line. Yeah. All right. So we've done. So we've got my feats, we've got my special abilities, we've got the stat block, HP, speed, uh, we do not have AC yet, or anything no, like that. We will get to that once we pick your equipment. But gotcha. You can also put down your starting gold, which we said was good, I said was going to be 240. Just, yep, there you go. So next we should choose your domain. Okay. Or you, uh, the Inquisitor have thing, Inquisitors have thing called Inquisitions, which I think is mm-hmm. fun and more fitting. Uh, I I don't know if you nobody have a expects from... the Spanish Inquisition. I don't think the Spanish Inquisition is an Inquisition, which is unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, unfortunately, that's 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 really that's that's I don't like that. <laughs> Paizo, put that out, or I guess a third party. Anyway, I found a three that I think might fit your your character. Um, sure, they were all about seeking the truth. So there's the Truth Inquisition. Okay. Um, basically, there are tons of Inquisitions to choose from, but there's the Truth Inquisition, which every Inquisition gives you two special abilities. They differ from clerics in that you don't get bonus spells, but mm-hmm. you have a lot of other stuff that makes the Inquisitor good. Um, for example, in the Truth Inquisition, you can touch a creature and get an insight bonus to one attack roll, uh, or give them an insight bonus to one attack roll. So, like, buffing a friend of yours to uh, be able to hit something more easily. Sure. Or skill check, ability check, or saving throw. That's cool. Uh, you can do that. doesn't matter how many times you can do that. And then there's, at a higher level, you get something called Grasp of Honesty, which is kind of cool, where if you're grappling a creature and they're and they're affected by a zone of truth, then... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm just... I can't read. <laughs> Any creature you are grappling is affected by a zone of truth. Okay. Which is kind of cool. I mean, that'd be kind of yeah. tough for the goblin build, but hey, you know, whatever. It, it, I mean, it's not necessarily what I want to go for, but definitely something. Yeah. It, it, I, th- I think it's a neat idea where it's like you're graph- you're pulling the truth out of them physically. Um, okay. There's the Illumination Inquisition, which is similar about it's, it's a light-themed uh, wisdom Inquisition. You know, they're, trying, they're all about bringing out the truth of light and wisdom, all that kind of okay. stuff. Uh, their special ability is all is like about 
you get uh, your hands shimmer with divine radiance and you can touch a creature and it gets a bonus to will saving throws, knowledge checks, or sense motive checks. Um, which is pretty cool. But So I, as much as I'm enjoying the idea of truth and light and everything, I think uh-huh. you're actually misreading this character. Oh, good, because I... That would go in well with my illiterate persona. <laughs> so this character, although they are a lawful good character, they are the antithesis of what everyone thinks is lawful good. Ah, I see. So they are the scum of the lawful good. They abide by the law and they are trying to do the good for the land but they are what is seen as scum, villainy, everything of that nature. It's the kind of, it's this is the man who questions you and is in their right to question you with as much violence as possible because it's part of the law, but, oh. they, but they are doing it for the good. So then I think you might enjoy the torture inquisition. There we go. <laughs> Which is one that exists. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no, here I am thinking, okay, you're about seeking the truth. All right, let's go into that. Nah, nah. Let's fuck some people up. Le- yes. Um, like okay. I said, uh, this is based, this character is based off of um, Glockter of the first Law trilogy. Uh, and if you haven't read it, please do. It's a wonderful series. Um, but it's based off Glockter, and Glockter is. This really, he's actually a really good guy. Like I'm sure. it, he might, it's like in the anti-villain, like the anti-hero character a little bit. Uh-huh. But they're a great character and they're really fun, but uh, they are seen by ev- almost everyone as like absolute scum, okay. and they I torture see. a lot of people. <laughs> so I think torture is the way to go. Here. All right, so let's go with the torture inquisition. So you get something called torturer's presence, where you get an okay. plus two bonus to your intimidate skills. Ooh. which stacks on top of stern gaze so you get uh plus three so far nice or four i don't remember what you're at three now. plus three okay <laughs> which is pretty cool. so torturous gaze torturous presence sorry torturous presence yep but then you have one more ability called uh torturous touch where you can use the spell touch of fatigue and basically just that's that's the ability uh, up to three plus your wisdom modifier times. Uh, I'm pulling up Touch of Fatigue right now. Basically, you can oh, you g- uh, give them the fatigue condition, which is a pretty nasty condition. Um, it sounds like it. Um, if, I, if, if it's anything like what uh, D&D fatigue is, then yeah. Not exactly, but it's, no? it's not great in, against certain targets. So they can't okay. run or charge, and they Ooh. take a minus two penalty to both strength and dex, which is pretty bad. It's not as wide-reaching as uh, 5e, but that's pretty nasty for uh, melee-focused or, like, Yeah, like, if, you, if anyone comes into my grasp, they will feel the pain. Yeah. So I think that's a, I think the Torture Inquisition is a, a good one to go to. Yes, I think, uh, I think uh, we're, we're on a more similar page. We've, we've gotten the idea of, yes, we are doing this for the good of the people, and we will do it for the good of the people, but we are doing it the the weirdest the torturous way gotcha okay by by any means necessary yes uh there's also things like the execution inquisition which i think is pretty cool but you know a whole bunch yes we can get into that another day 
Yeah, find the one that makes you happy. Uh, so cool. Torture Inquisition, you have those two abilities at first level. And the last thing we need to do is pick spells. Awesome. All right, this is so actually... Pull up. Yeah, no, right, we're going through it pretty quick. Um, yes. Let's go through the Inquisitor spell list. And so you have a total of four Orisons, uh, which are zeroth level cantrips. You can use it okay. any, as many times as you want. And you mm -hmm. know two first level spells. Mm -hmm. And you have one spell slot per day uh, at first level. Uh, first level. So you know two, can cast one, but you have a high uh, wisdom, which means you can cast another one per day. So you get two slots for two spells. All right. So let's let's go over this a little bit together. Yeah. Um, and we're going to go over basically whatever catches are my eye here or whatever you think would be something that I should really take into consideration. Yeah. Well, so there are a lot of spells and it's... I Well, yes. So that's why we're... La, la, rather than the idea of... Um, rather than the idea of going through each and being like, oh, this one might be better for this, we're going to mm. think of this character. Yeah. And I really want I want you to kind of get into this character's head as well, Billy, so you can mm. kind of help me out with this. Because yeah. I already see one, and um, my reasoning behind it is much different than you're probably going to think. Okay. Well, let's start with the cantrips, because this yeah. makes it a little bit easier. And I like to always recommend detect magic uh, detect okay. magic is a crazy good cantrip it's just great for being able to it's, it's a great utility thing and i'm really disappointed in 5e that it's now a first level spell because please god just let the let the players know when things are magic i don't think it's that bad to have an as a at will you know limiting it doesn't really make things yeah. easier or i've, I've actually um this this just came to my I, in my D and D games. Usually, if someone makes a uh, Arcana check, I will let them know that there is a magic aura or a magic presence around them. But then, yeah. if they want to know specifically what it is, they need to then cast the tech magic. Right, right. I just I just think I always prefer to have it as a cantrip. Um, for well, I was gonna say there's I was gonna suggest stabilize which when some a creature has gone to zero or below or gone to below zero hit points they start dying and stabilize automatically makes them no longer have to roll against it, it doesn't heal them but it it's like spare the dying uh, yes in 5e and to be fair that was the one that i was referring to in terms of i see that spell and my instant thought of is you are harming someone and then they're about to like just lose their will to live and you're just like uh 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 stabilize Okay, all right, I got you. That, that made, I was going to say, then there's also bleed, which is the opposite effect when a stabilized creature starts to resume dying. But yeah, I mean, I get the idea. It's like stabilized, like, no, 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 you don't get to leave yet. I haven't, yes. you know, you don't get to leave I am Farazma. still questioning you. Yeah, this yeah. questioning will continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so that's another good one. Resistance is a really good one where it's just a plus one bonus on all saving throws for a certain amount of time. Um, you can give that to yourself or to others. It's pretty mm -hmm. good. I just because uh, our friend uh, Eric is a pain in my ass about it, I'm taking guidance. Okay, yep, that's also a very good one. Uh, I get a plus one bonus on attack saves or skill checks in the next minute. Uh, and yeah, like all these are pretty good functional. They don't, they, none of them do any damage because this, it's not really how Pathfinder's built. Whereas in Five E, you have like scaling damage cantrips that, you know, yeah. go up in damage as you progress in levels, but. I'm also going to do uh, Create Water. 
Okay. Oh, no. Please don't. Oh, no. <laughs> Not for waterboarding. <laughs> I never said it was for waterboarding. You jumped to that conclusion. But, am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> but... one, of, one of my one of my players in the twelve person campaign waterboarded a character. I was like, it wasn't that I wasn't impressed. I was. I was just. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening right now. And it, of course, it, it, I gave it, an like, advantage on intimidation. So the first, so the first time that I actually had thought about um, the idea of the create or dispel, uh, destroy water as like a use for that in right. D&D or in Pathfinder actually was the destroy water spell uh, how you can actually get rid of water in D&D uh, 5e and um, one of the <laughs> this is going to sound terrible I was playing <laughs> with an 8 year old at the time okay. Okay. <laughs> and they were like uh, and they had just learned in their science class that the human being is made up of 70% water uh huh and they were just like, can I use destroy water? And I was like, well, what's your target? What are you targeting? And they were like, that person, I want to destroy the water in their body so that they like basically, I don't know how to, you would die, like die from dehydration, Pretty but an instantaneously death by dehydration. I, I don't know where I've heard this before, but I've definitely heard that. It terrifies me both times. It's it's great. That's, that's it, a really it's just creative like, way. Yeah. And so the argument that uh, with D and D five e is uh, with create the create and destroy water is you have to fill a container, and right. it has to be a visible container. <laughs> does the human body count as a container? Well, yeah. Does the human body count as a container? And the answer is if their mouth is open. Oh my god, that's totally true because it's a closed system. Otherwise. Yeah. So oh if god. their mouth is open and they are casting a spell, like if they are casting a spell. Um, I have then rolled the percentile dice, or you could do it with a d20. But the the way that this works is if you roll the d20 and you get a 10 or 11 or higher, it goes with the affected purpose that the person is trying to do and drown them and goes into mm -hmm. their lungs. But you do have that little gland or whatever it is that set like separates the air, like closes the airway and opens it so that the food can go down in a different passageway. So instead, that would be called the epiglottis. Yeah, the epiglottis. So when they cast the spell and you do get one to ten, it actually just goes into their stomach and then just pours out their mouth. The epiglottis is closed. So it's actually a way to counteract the idea of create or destroy water or create water in this case, uh, actually killing somebody because you can actually have it so that the human being uh, or the humanoid creature, their body is naturally built to withstand certain things, and so that would be one of those things. Okay, okay, I like that. I like that. I think that's a, a good idea. Uh, but anyway, what were we what were we talking about? Right, spells. Spells. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so I have detect magic. Uh, I have detect magic. A stabilize. Um, create water, and um, the guidance. other one was guidance. Guidance. All right, excellent. So those are the four, and now you have to choose two first-level Inquisitor spells. And All right, let's scroll down to those. There's a lot of them. I uh, think, yes, there are. I mean, there's always oh boy. Cure Light Wounds, which is super easy. And fun fact about Pathfinder, instead of it being... There is no casting... There's no casting up spell slots, as far as I'm experienced. Every spell level has a different type of spell. So, for example, Cure Light Wounds is the first-level version of Cure Wounds. 
and it increases to cure moderate wounds at the at second level, etc., etc., with different bonuses to healing that you roll. Uh, you can, I don't know whether you can cast spells of higher, of like lower levels with higher level slots. I'm not sure, but it's an interesting way of separating them out. It results in a lot more spells, but uh, it, it, you know, it's something to keep in mind. So I found my first one. Okay. What was, what is it? Itching curse. Itching curse. Okay. Tell me more about that. So uh, I, I was just scrolling through the spells and uh, instantly it catches my eye. It's like you curse a target with a distracting, unbearable itch. That's really good. And what I love about the way this website is set up is that it has a, a short, brief description of what the spell does. So you know, oh, yeah. Like, which, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, but I, so, I think it, it's, it's a fun one. It can be very funny. And I think that it, even with this dark character that, I'm, that we're building, I think yeah. that it's still very the idea of just being like oh nope you have to itch something and then probably my character would do that when the person can't itch it so it's just there mm -hmm. and that's the form of that's a really that's a really good one for interrogation i like that yeah so just for the the text of the spell unless the target scratches as a move action it takes a minus one penalty on attack rolls saves skill checks and ability checks which is pretty good yeah, especially uh, if they're they, trying to like save against another spell for questioning or something. That would yeah, be great. If they, if they fail against uh, the will, your will save. Actually, here's a funny thing about Pathfinder spells. There's no, I mean, there's concentration in the sense of being able to cast the spell, but there's no limit to how many spells you could quote unquote concentrate on. Uh, for example, like greater invisibility and fly. That's a regular combo. You just put a whole bunch of spells on you. Uh, and don't have to worry about concentration, which I think is really cool. It also just makes things a, little, a lot more complicated, but, like, you know, that's that's the difference. Um, I found my second one. Okay, you did. I was going to say, while I'm talking about general mechanics, yeah, what, what's the second one? So the second one I, I picked is Hidden Diplomacy. Hidden Diplomacy. Let me go find that one. Yeah, attempt ah, an intimidate check to make a target act friendly towards you, but not remember why after the spell ends. Okay, that's interesting. I like that. I, cool. I that is a mechanic that I've never thought about in terms of D and D, just because how straightforward D and D fifth, fifth edition can be. But yeah. I am so adding that to my like homebrew stuff for D and D because that is that is an, an amazing idea of like being able to just cast a spell and it it makes sense of like there are going to be those characters who are who want to use intimidation more than they want to use deception or persuasion. And it just makes sense that uh, if they want to cast intimid like the cast the spell and just be like, I'm gonna intimidate the shit out of this person, and then they're gonna respond with kindness. I'm totally taking that. I think yeah, that's I love great, that. I think and I've never heard of that, and I love it. I highly recommend anyone uh, who hasn't just look through. Even if you're a primarily five E player, like look through the Pathfinder spells and see if you want to adapt anything. Oh yeah, five E because some of these are great. So much interesting like situational stuff that can be really really fun if you work on it. Yeah. So yeah, you got your spells. Um, yeah. I <laughs> those were none of the ones that I had as a suggestion. Oh, uh, what did you have as suggestions? Just no, I just wrote down some basic ones like. Uh, uh, Divine Favor, which is a great buff spell. Bless, which yep. is a plus one on attacks and saves against fear. Uh, cure Light Wounds. And there's also Lend Judgment, which is a which is an interesting one, where you can give uh, an ally the benefit of your judgment. Oh, that's great. Which is neat, but, you know, it's up to you. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep this character on a path, and we're gonna see where it goes. I was gonna say, I think those two spells fit yours a lot better uh, into yeah. the character. Um, but actually, is that yeah. it? 
that's it for the spells. I think the last thing we got to talk to about before we do equipment is traits. Now, okay. those are kind of like mini feats, but mm-hmm. you get usually you'll get like two at the start of a campaign, depending on what your GM says. Sure. I'm going to say we're going to start with two because it keeps it simple. I don't know. I chose three that I think might be of use to you. They're, again, like the feats, there are so many of them. So just are they ba- What are they based off of? Is this based off of your race, a class? They can be anything. Actually, that's a great uh, That's a great question because there are different categories of traits. So, for example, um, this is on D20PFSRD, the, the homepage. There's campaign traits where it's based on the specific campaign setting you might have. Uh, combat traits that boast, uh, boost combat skills. Faith traits based on your religion, uh, magic traits just based on random things about magic and different sections of it, uh, region which is locality based. Whereas like if you want to say, oh, I'm from this area, like and you have a specific bonus associated with that, I think that's great. Mm. Uh, social traits are cool. They're basically just you know about being the face, charisma based stuff. Religion, self-explanatory. There are race traits. Uh, if you want to look at a couple of the goblin ones, I didn't put down any goblin ones. I just sort of like looked at. I looked at a guide to the Inquisitor and saw how I could fit it. Uh, there's all the family traits, which are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And there's also drawbacks, uh, where basically if you, you could take extra traits if you take drawbacks, where it's like you can, there are miniature uh, penalties that you can take to certain things. But to get, if you want to like highly specialize in one thing, you can be like, okay, I want these extra traits, but I'll take a penalty in different areas. Like I can't grapple, but I can, you know, intimidate really well. Yeah. So, uh, one of the ones that have caught my eye in the social traits, um, is the enemy of slavers, because like I said, this character is a good person. Okay. okay. (laughs) Uh And so, uh, the enemy of slavers is you gain a plus two, uh, trait bonus to diplomacy and intimidate checks made to sway the mind of slavers or anyone who otherwise keeps innocent people against their will. That sounds great. And I think that is, in, in terms of my character, I think that is a good balancing out in a way to show that they are a good person and that their heart is in a, a right place. Twisted, but right. <laughs> no, that's great. I really like that. Um, but you, now you start to see like now how, be, even though it is a lot more complicated, there are more rules in building a character for Pathfinder. Like You can get very specific and have a really clear idea of what your character is and find some great traits, feats, and other mechanics that fit that exact scenario and make it feel a lot more fleshed out. It definitely, like as I've been building this character, and obviously I've only played Pathfinder one time before, and it was with a pre-generated character. I did not make it. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like, oh yeah, I can definitely get into my character on a deeper level in terms of I'm going to pick out everything that I want them to be very specific at and that night and as a player that might not necessarily be going along with what the campaign is but if my DM is a good DM they're (laughs) going to uh, be able to steer it in a way that actually makes it quite balanced and makes it so that my skills as long as as well as the skills of the other players are used yeah absolutely uh did you have any others uh, that were on your mind? I was looking at a couple of goblin traits, but I don't think they're super they're super fitting for this type of character. Um, I'll I'll take a look at the goblin traits. I just wanted to take one of the social traits just because I thought that would be fun and fitting for the character that we were building. But let's take a look at the race traits. Just sure. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say uh, there are a couple of like mechanical ones that I found that because. Mm-hmm. Not to be, it's not min maxing. It's not you know I haven't thought of it. It's just ones that are 
I only found based on their bonuses. Uh, if you were interested in those, but you mm-hmm. know, I'll, I'll. If you want me to just keep talking while you look, I can do that too. <laughs> I mean, God, yeah, that that actually might help just a bit because uh, I. There's one called the Deft Dodger trait where you can just get a plus one bonus to your reflex saves, which is good because you don't get that. Even though you're a goblin and you have a high dex, you know you don't get a lot of bonuses to reflex as an inquisitor, so that could be mm-hmm. helpful. Uh, reactionary just gives you a plus two trait bonus to your uh, initiative, which is always good. Always nice to have a bonus to initiative. Uh, then there's also Beacon of Faith, which I found, which is once per day you can... Are these the... Just so I'm curious, because oh, the page is a little bit different. These are the alternative racial traits? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what type of traits they are. I just looked up the traits by name. Okay, so yeah, I'm on the Goblin page on the website. Okay. Gotcha. And it uh, it has the alternative racial traits. The following racial traits oh, no, may no, no, be sorry, selected. No, no, sorry, sorry. Okay, those the, those are different. Those are different. Like okay, traits are a different mechanic than racial abilities. Oh, these are the following race traits. I found yeah, they're yeah. Right, right below. So yeah, the adventurous distraction, balloon-headed, big ears, bouncy, colorful yes, thief, yes, dog sniff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah, none of these are really catching my eye. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. Are, well, I was going to say, actually, sorry, there's also a favored class bonus. I completely forgot about that last time. Where. Actually, it's not there. Nope, sorry. Where those are basically, Never mind. Well, so just those are basically extra bonuses you can get if you choose a certain race with a certain type of class. Uh, like you see, like the alchemist. If you have a goblin alchemist, you get fire resistance one, which is basically a type of resistance. You don't have to go mm-hmm. into all the different types of resistances, but they're a lot more complicated than in 5e. Um, and so, yeah, you basically get a special bonus depending on what kind of class you are. But because there's no Inquisitor favorite class bonus, we don't have to worry about it. Woohoo! All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm going back to the social traits just because I think that that would fit the character better. Uh, obviously, we've already got the enemy of the slavers. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking around, and uh, I'm, I'll let you know when I see anything. But if there's anything you want to talk about, now would be the time. Well, I was gonna say we could talk about different types of gods that you might be worshiping, because the Inquisitor is highly associated with their god that they worship. Found uh, it. Found, found it. Right, good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Right amount of vamping. Go for it. Yes. Uh, so I found Noble Savage. Okay. So this uh, is you gain a plus two uh, trait bonus on diplomacy and perform checks when dealing with people of high soci- so, uh, social standings. Excellent. Oh, that's really and good. I, yeah, I think that would be great because if you're like trying to get a quest from someone of high nobility, it helps with that. But it would also help in terms of like maybe there's a noble that I need to question Maybe I can try a different approach, and I think the noble savage is it would be it would be good fits. Okay, especially uh, being a goblin, where a lot of times characters of high nobility would look down upon. Uh, yes, uh, they look down upon my character, but I will, I will, I will gain the upper hand. All right, excellent. So you have your trait down. So I know you're not super familiar with the deities of uh, Pathfinder. But yeah, do you have an idea of like what kind of deed? Like cause you said, your character is lawful good. Yes. Um, because if they were evil, I have one a perfect one in mind. But that's you know. I mean, I'm I don't really want to go the lawful. Let's hear what it is, just because I'm curious. <laughs> but I don't really want to go that route. 
So this is a character that this is a god that one of my characters worshipped when I played Pathfinder is Zon Kuthon, uh, okay. one of the worst, most twisted, evil gods in existence, known as the Prince of Pain. Um, their his followers regularly torture themselves and others for the sake of worship, and it's crazy and evil and weird, but like also kind of cool, uh, based on like Zon Kuthon societies and how those structures function. But I don't think. Yeah, no, lawful good, yeah. not fitting. It, it's uh. not fitting. Um, so where is this? Uh, this is where... on the Pathfinder wiki. Is that I usually okay? Use. Pathfinder wiki. Drop, I'll drop a. Oh, you can find it probably. Yes. Um, there's one that I did think might offer a little bit of wiggle room, so to speak. Is one called Abadar, where he's basically he's the god of laws of law, cities, merchants, and wealth. And maybe not the merchant's place, but he kind of reminds me of Arathis in 5e, where it's like all about civilization and, you know, maintaining the order amongst peoples. And which and his worship is actually pretty spread. As long as the law is being followed, he goes from lawful good all the way down to lawful evil, uh, mm. depending on the cleric's alignment. So, so that yeah. might actually be good. That's what I was thinking, because I did, in one of my campaigns, I met a paladin or cavalier, I think, who worshipped Abadar, and he was evil. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. He's, like, a really nice guy, but he's just, like... So what was the name of this god again? Abadar? Abadar. Abadar. Okay, A-B-A-D-A-R. Correct. Um, I think leaning into the kind of, you know, I follow the law. I'll do anything I need to do under the law, but it doesn't mean I have to be nice about it. I think that would work for Abadar. I, yeah, I, I reading the dogma here in front of me, I'm definitely thinking that Abadar is the way to go. All right, excellent. Yes. And then that, that, that solves that, and nothing else really to worry about that. And okay. so the last thing is equipment. All right. And yeah, no, that's so your stats probably lean more towards ranged weapons, and now you don't have to spend a lot of time on weapons and. Magic items would be its own whole thing. Let's just assume that you're only using mundane. Uh, yeah, weapons. I only have the ability to use simple weapons anyway. So right, so we wouldn't have to worry about that. You can use medium armor and shields. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll always need one hand free to do somatic components, but we can look at what we have. So you can yes. So if you go to the armor and shields section yep. of the twenty, I've there. got I've got the light armor and medium armor right in front of me. Yeah. So, what uh, would you like me to explain any all these numbers? Well, so it it makes like I'm getting the I'm getting the hang of it here in terms yeah. of uh the numbers and everything. My my mind is adjusting to it. Um. But so in front of me, there's the uh. Some of them look like they're only half armor, or what I would consider half armor, right? So there's the armored kilt, for example. That mm-hmm. that seems like it would only be something that covers the bottom half. Would uh, it count yeah. as the same thing as your full armor? Yes. So I think each one of these counts as a type of armor. It's not like there's no armor. There are weapon. There are magic item slots for like head, body, okay. know, chest. But I think every armor is its own full set of armor. Uh, and they're all and they're all very specific, and which why which is why there are so many of them. Um, gotcha. But in terms of statistics, your armor class bonus is variable, which is interesting. I, I think it's 
and mm-hmm. it's a neat difference for 5e where you basically just get a plus four because you get a lot more bonuses to different types of AC. Anyway, uh, armor and shield bonus is exactly that. Um, that's what you add to your AC. Your maximum dex bonus varies based on your level, but it's not just uh, plus one, plus two. It can go the whole gamut depending on what type of armor you choose. Armor check penalty. Now that's an interesting one where it's like heavier armors impose a higher penalty on certain types of ability checks and ability uh, uh, and skill checks. For example, uh, it hurts a character's ability to use dex and strength-based skills the heavier your armor is. So it applies to all dex and strength-based skill checks. Mm. Um, yeah. And there's arcane spell failure chance, or basically like your armor can be so bulky that it gets in the way of you casting spells properly and you have a percentage chance if you're this is why wizards don't really wear armor. <laughs> um, but, you know, everything varies. There's always a build that can that can do both. But it'd be like 20%, 20% chance of failing any spell you cast, uh, which is wild. So I, I, I think I've found the armor that I would use. Sure, um, okay. Just because I'm looking at the armors and I'm trying to think of what this character would look like. And because Pathfinder allows for all these options... Um, it makes sense, at least in my mind, for him to have the silken ceremonial armor. Okay, where's that? Uh, is this that is light. Yeah, it's in the light section. Um, oh, it's not. The... Uh, it's not alphabetical. Got it. Okay, silken ceremonial yeah. armor. So silken ceremonial armor costs thirty gold. It has a armor shield bonus of plus one. It has no maximum dex bonus. Excellent. Uh, it has a armor check penalty of 0%. Um, it has the arcane spell failure chance of 0%. And well, I was, was going to say, arcane spell failure only counts for arcane uh, yes. spells. So you, you you don't have to worry about that anyway. Yeah. Um, and yes. it, the weight is not too high, and it works for my speed as well. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing. Uh, so the speed is the heavier armors impose a speed penalty. So like... This one says if your base speed is 30 feet, your base speed is 30 feet while wearing the silken ceremonial armor, too. Yes. Okay, um, cool. I just checked the time. I did a quick time check. Uh, uh, I will finish. Yeah, I'll finish. I will finish this up with you uh, later. And then uh, well, I was going to say, I, we're basically done after you choose yeah. that and choose a weapon. Uh, oh, and choose a weapon. OK, so let's yeah. choose the weapon now, then. Which means that your total armor class would be 14. No, uh, 15. 15 Which, you know that works for a start like first level character that's yeah, quite not nice. bad at all uh and the last thing i'll t- touch on is touch armor class and flat-footed armor class those are based on different spells that you can mm-hmm. touch is basically like can i touch your body like mm-hmm. that that those are easier spells to hit and can do some nasty damage it's, it's a lot lower so basically touch armor touch armor class is just 10 plus your dexterity bonus and deflection bonus but don't worry about deflection bonus. Yeah. So it's pretty. It's usually pretty low, depending on what things are. Mm-hmm. Flat-footed is just everything but your dexterity bonus, because you're caught by surprise. Um, rogues attack flat-footed when they use a surprise attack, so they have a higher chance to hit, which is pretty cool. Anyway, uh, weapons. What, what do you think? So of we're doing simple, uh, knowing my character. They are going to want something that can be uh, used very close, com- uh, close combat, but uh, maybe purchase something that will allow them to be uh, a little bit farther away um i still so the silken only costed 30 uh, gold so i still have uh i still have 210 210. so 
I might go for the spring blade just because a hidden blade might be nice. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah, just because this character is all about that idea of intimidation, and then the spring blade might be really, really good for that character. So I'll spend the 70 gold for that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I like that. That that you know subtle assassin like i mean i just love assassin's creed too so yeah. um it's like so spring blade it would be my close combat and then for ranged um i guess my character would probably have something that my character probably w- might have something that was simple but they wouldn't want it they would want it to be something that could be considered concealable or something like that mm-hmm. they don't want to look like they have weapons on them right it's part of the why the silk ceremonial armor works because they don't look like they're threatening because it's this nice silks that's ceremonial um so probably something like what the hell is a sting chuck i have no idea let's check it out so sting chuck normal um a sting chuck is a foul bag made with human made of a humanoid head with the brain removed and the skull heavily scored so it can burst open when thrown are you fucking kidding me oh my god that's insane (laughs) oh i'm not picking it because it would be too much for my character to carry around i want them to have this regalness but still what the fuck that's the power of pathfinder baby (laughs) <laughs> um, oh my gosh i'm just gonna well i'm gonna go with the blowgun all right sounds good. yeah and there's a lot of poisons in pathfinder you can use and that's yeah really let's cool. go with the blowgun here all right and Simple you're basically all set now like you can calculate we can spend, sit here calculating out numbers for weapon bonuses but it's pretty simple it's your dex plus your base attack bonus and like yeah i don't need things. i don't we don't need don't to need do that it. together but you've already like you know it, it took a little while but now we so you have this well-rounded character, a very specific idea of what they are, and it really I feel like this has come together pretty well. I like this. Yeah, one. thank you, Billy, for helping me out with this. You're welcome. So I highly encourage anyone who you know longtime D and D players to check out Pathfinder, find a, a group that you know works for you, and see if you can. Even if you don't have a group, just like go into the rules and see if you can like just make a character for fun. Uh, yeah. A, make a character a for fun. See if you can take certain things that from Pathfinder merge them with five E for yourself. I'm sure your DM will be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they're, if they're not if, a if rules lawyer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anywho, but shall speaking, we move on? To yeah. Let's, homebrew. let's go over to, over to our homebrew. Speaking of transferring things over. Okay. What you, uh, what'd you bring today? Just, oh, what are we doing? I guess. Well, so we're, so we've done a few different things. We've done uh, items. We've done spells. Uh, we've we're going over uh, quite a bit. But I I kind of wanted to do monsters. Yeah. No, I was interested in it when you said this, but I wasn't sure if I would make it uh, to finishing this week. But I really? was able to pull together something. Yeah. Why don't you go first? All right. So I love desert settings my players don't and i found that out the hard way (laughs) the hard way but i love desert settings i think that the idea of survival in the desert is really interesting and i love the idea of this desperate need for survival but also this idea of possibly searching for something bigger than yourself and the desert allows you for a lot of like self-involvement and for the characters to grow in ways that they didn't expect my players did not like that growth (laughs) they did it but they did not like it so we're not doing we're we're not doing deserts anymore we're gonna we're gonna survive but we're not gonna like it yes 
So one of the things that I came up with was I took a, there was, so in third edition, 3.5 edition, they actually made books for each specific setting, such as desert, uh, ice area, like frosts and mountains or things like that. Uh And they had monsters specific to each uh, realm. And then it's very common in D&D 5e to have a purple worm uh, appear somewhere. But that's the only worm that you really see. You don't see other types of worms. And so one of the monsters in this book on deserts for third edition is the ash worm, which is the cousin of the purple worm. Interesting. It, it, it is considered a large monstrosity. I have uh, because I've had to do some translations. The armor class is around fourteen. The stats are twenty-one for strength, ten for dex, seventeen for con, uh, one for intelligence. Okay, um, that's that's low. Yeah, thirteen for wisdom and a six for charisma. It has a base of twenty-five hit points, three d ten plus nine. Uh, speed is 50 feet and a burrow speed of 30 feet. Okay. Uh, it has a base saving throw to uh, con and wisdom. So con is plus five and then wisdom is plus three. Uh, it has blind uh, spot for 30 feet and tremor sense for 60 feet. So okay. yeah, that's, that's typical worm where they can sense without, they don't really yeah. need eyes. This is going back to uh, larval anatomy, which I happen to study. They don't well, have very good go. eyesight. Um, I have uh, the abilities that it has are called uh, Tunneler. The worm can burrow through solid rock at half its burrow speed, uh, and it leaves a five-diameter tunnel in its wake. Mm. And then Evasive Diver. In sandy areas, if the ashworm makes a success on a dexterity saving throw, it takes no damage. So if you're doing a dexterity, like if you're casting a spell that requires a dexterity saving throw against it, if it succeeds, it takes no damage because it can just dive into the sand. Nice. Evasion. But like an earth, uh, you know, desert sand themed evasion. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Uh, And then it has a stinger and a bite attack, um, which I will, uh, you don't really have to get into, but the bite attack is for case similar to the purple worm where if it's a certain if it, the target is considered small or tiny it can get swallowed and then swallowed. the stinger is uh five um it can do 1d6 plus five piercing damage a target must succeed on a constitution saving throw or be poisoned cool the what's really great about this creature though and the reason why i picked it uh, as the creature to bring to this is because it's rideable uh this is used as a desert mount oh Um, okay so that these creatures are actually can be tamed and used as a desert mount rather than used a a horse or a camel you can use this as like a fast traveling creature that's pretty cool i like that a lot i didn't even think about that yeah they're they have like a low low hit point low ac but they're sort of like you know creatures that would like swarm around they're like, exactly so that it would be easy there you can capture them and you can use them as mounts uh, it might like be that. if you're playing a ranger, it might be your creature because they can technically burrow into rock. So, I mean, it could yeah, be if you're your from creature. The desert, that that makes plenty of sense. Yeah. So I love these guys. I think they're great, and that's why they're my pick of the week. Awesome. See, I, I'll I'll keep mine pretty brief because despite how much this is something that my uh, if you guys are listening to this, love you guys. Uh, good work against this creature. Something that my uh, wild mount campaign players fought a few weeks back and 
the inspiration for this monster is this is sort of like a, a heightened version of it. They didn't get all of these abilities because I sort of didn't finish, you know, crafting all the ideas until I had to put it down into writing for today's episode. But it the creature I I just decided to name it the the Sporsog. I don't okay. know. How to, I, I can't pronounce Irish at all. I can't do Irish words at all, but I basically Send it off me the spelling and I might be able to get it. Eh, I'll call it the Sporsog for now. Um it's all right. it's based on the words for uh spore and fairy because these are creatures that are basically similar to dryads but they're born from errant magic of the Feywild where it sort of like overlaps with the material plane in but specifically with mushrooms and fungus and spore creating like uh organisms like that uh i had this idea of like a a spore not you know it's like the spore druid in 5e but also kind of similar just like to mushroom a, a dryad but for mushrooms um this one's kind of it's kind of powerful. Uh, it's got 150 hit points average with a Damn. Si- with a 16 AC, which is low for now. But yeah, no, this is some. This is no joke. Um, I'm not gonna go through all of their stats, but it's basically like they have a lot of high stats, high wisdom, and very cognizant of everything, which allows them to cast a lot of druid spells, like call lightning, erupting earth, blight, confusion, and gaseous form for escapes. They fu- they fought it used, when it used a wall of fire, which is always fun, because it would use wall of fire and its ability to use thorn whip to pull people into the fire. It was great. Um, yeah, no, it sounds super powerful. Yeah, I was saying, we can get the whole, uh, I'll put the whole thing on a, up on our Patreon if we want for, to, for ease of brevity, but I do want to talk about some of its cool abilities where it, basically can create a swarm of spores around it that does damage and can poison creatures uh it can regenerate by absorbing things through its spores kind of like how there's a giant network of fungus underground that we can't really comprehend the great extent of but they're always connected to it so they can get nutrients from natural fungi spreading out throughout for miles around um they can create a a literally a storm a cyclone of spores that makes difficult terrain and also does damage and uh, poisons creatures if they fail con saves. They can infest creatures with their touch on top of all the spells that they can cast innately. But the coolest part, in my opinion, is that any creature that dies after being inflicted with the poison condition from the spores, they reanimate immediately as a zombie under the control of the spore sog. Uh, which is great, because that's what they, they fought some spore goblins. And it was really fun, and I like that. I don't know, it's just... Spores are so- cool, man. Uh, can you actually send that my way? Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, I got. I I might have some use for that in a forest campaign that I'm working on. And you okay, know. all right, all right, yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to to finish up finish this up and send it to you. But yeah, if you uh, if you're interested in that, just hop on over to our Patreon and get. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely put that up there. A stat block for that. Well, Billy, and I think that's the show. Yeah, I think that's it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I'm Jesse. I'm Billy. And I think you guys can listen to more of our stuff on our Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google can burn in hell. Um, leave us a nice <laughs> review. You can check us out on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and And we uh, do Patreon, have a Patreon account. If you'd like uh, to throw if, it. And uh, as <laughs> always, um, this just as a recap, uh, we were drinking Billy's. What What are the two names again for all those oh, who are God. listening? 
uh, don't make me do this again. I just closed out the window. Um, <laughs> uh, the first, the first one was Zawadado uh, from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But uh, sorry, the Swavane Sunrise. Swavane Sunrise, which is the one that I like. I already forgot it, Thanks. but thank you for reminding me. <laughs> it's definitely that memorable. <laughs> thank you all for joining us for this extra long episode of D D and D. And we hope you have it's a It's actually day. a pretty standard length episode. Oh, is it? Well, I'm yeah. going to call it the extra long one because I think okay. that's, that's good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Till Bye-bye. then, have a great day. Bye!